Hey, it's me. I'm back. And um, <clears throat> let me go ahead and uh, give some updates on what's going on in the world of entertainment and gossip and et cetera, et cetera. If you hear that buzzing sound of notification sound, that's just um, some emails going off and I'm trying to get them cut down as much as possible. So, OK, so here we go. So the big story that's out right now is uh uh, rather confusing. Uh, well, it, yeah, it's, it, it is confusing because there's a lot of information I don't think that's really being, that has been put out there. But the main story is about Andre Leon Talley and his issue with the former CEO of, of Manolo Blahnik. Okay, remember Manolo Blahniks are those fancy shoes from the 90s that Sarah Jessica uh, Parker used to wear in Sex and the City. That's when a lot of people really got to know what Manolo Blahniks um, were. Having a pair of those, you're spending at least at that time $500 on a pair of shoes. Well, people are not spending that kind of money on shoes as much because we're not able to travel and go to a lot of different places um, because of this pandemic. So a lot of fashion play, a lot of uh, stores and a lot of uh, uh, designers are dealing with a bit of a rut, if you will, when it comes to selling garments and selling fancy clothes and the shoes and the purses and the coats and all that kind of good stuff. Because if you're not going to many places, then, you know, how, you know, how they're going to make their money because people are not traveling and they're doing a lot of stuff during uh, through Zoom and WebEx and um, Microsoft Teams and Google Meets and all these other web services. So, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of traction with wearing full length gowns and all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, Lola Blonick is having some financial issues as well. So with them, they've been good friends for over 40 years um, with Andre, Andre Leon Talley. And I'm going to read a little bit from the New York Times and in regards to the disposition of Andre Leon Talley, um, you know, the situation that he's in right now with this eviction. So according to the New York Times, they wrote this is an article and they say that an attempt to evict the fashion icon shines a spotlight on some very blurry lines in fashion. Um, Andre Leon Talley, the flamboyant and pioneering black fashion editor who rocked the industry last May with his memoir, The Chiffon Trenches, in which he took um, pot shots at such sacred cows of style as Anna Wintour and Karl Lagerfeld, is back exposing parts of the fashion's muddy underbelly, I'll bet, inadvertently. All right. Um, I have not read his book yet. I've watched a few of his interviews. Um, he had a special on, I think it was either... Netflix or was it on Amazon Prime? I forget. But um, yeah, he's he's made some some he's starting to comment in his later years about some of the dark um, darkness and, and sadness when it comes to the fashion industry. So um, and anytime you write about specific people and you name them <laughs> specifically, you always, um, uh, you know, you always wonder what happened because Anna Wintour. Um, and, 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 and Andre have been very good friends for a very long time. And so at least they seemingly were friends. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Um, so it's just interesting. Let me continue with the article. 
It says, since 2004, Mr. Tally, 72, has lived in a 11-room white colonial in White Plains, just north of New York City. At that time, George Malcolmus, the former head of Manola Blahnik, USA, and Anthony Ugartis, his business partner and husband, bought the house for about a million dollars on the understanding that Mr. Tally would live in it and pay Mr. Malcolmus and Mr. Ugartis money each month. Mr. Malcolmus and his husband called this rent, in quotes, and the three men signed a two-year lease to that effect, renewable for up to eight more years. Okay, so here's a little bit more that I've been reading. Allegedly, Mr. Talley has had, for quite some time, some issues with credit. Okay, this is all alleged. He's had issues with credit, and he was unable to purchase this million-dollar home. Okay? Um, he was also unable, allegedly, to purchase a some, I don't know, $75,000 vehicle of some sort. He couldn't get that either. Now, I'm a little confused about the credit issues because, yes, a lot of people have credit issues, okay? But if you have credit issues, why would you go and try to purchase a million-dollar home? I was thinking, I don't know, again, if it's true, I would think that you would focus more on fixing your credit. And clearly he's making significant amounts of money, um, work out his credit issues so that he can purchase something eventually. And then look at something that is less expensive, but still a nice part of New York City. Same thing with a car. Now, I don't understand why he couldn't buy a car. Well, maybe a car of his, what he wants, he couldn't get with his credit, allegedly. Because um, a lot of people get cars with bad credit. So I don't, uh, buying a car is not a, necessarily a big ticket item. Buying a home is what's called a big ticket item. Buying a car to some, maybe they might personally think it's a big ticket item because it might be the only thing that they've owned. It might be the largest thing that they ever purchased. But cars depreciate pretty quickly. In fact, as soon as you drive it off the lot, the depreciation of that car begins. Buying a home, earning um, equity into the home, et cetera, et cetera, is a whole different ball of wax. So that's what we have there. So they have an agreement and it's not on paper, which is what we are starting to find out. They had this gentleman's agreement with so-called friends. That's a huge error and a red flag right there. So the lease that he initially signed um, expired in 2014, and it was never re-signed. And the amount of money Mr. Talley paid each month varied widely according to his income stream. Now, I don't know if he was under contract with Vogue, so I, I, I don't know how that arrangement worked. He also did speak in engagements. He also hosted uh, uh, fashion events. You know, he did a lot of different things in the fashion industry. So I kind of understand this part here in terms of the amount of money that he made varied uh, because depending on what it is that he did. Okay. And then in November 2020, Mr. Malcolmus and Mr. Ugadis filed to evict Mr. Talley. In late January, Mr. Talley filed a counterclaim saying he believed these payments were an equity investment intended to result in his ownership of the house. And these cases were first reported by the New York Post. Um, again, 
I get a gentleman's agreement. I understand what the premise of it is. But when it comes to dealing business, you need more than a gentleman's agreement. You need stuff in writing. And as far as the court is going to look at this and see, well, I don't know how they're going to see it, but on paper, the uh, Mr. Malcolmus and Mr. Ugardis still own that home. They have the deed, not Mr. Leon Talley. So, but okay. So having now paid $955,558, according to an accountant exhibit attached to the filing, Mr. Talley's petition request the house to be placed in a trust so he can prove his right to ownership. Mr. Malcolmus contends that he is owed $515,872.96 and that, well, it's his house. Well, okay, technically it is his house. Um, the article goes on and it talks a little bit about what I said. In some ways, the, um, the suits are simply the latest cautionary tale about the problems of mixing work and friendship. But more broadly, the problem with the house throws light on a pattern of behavior long endemic to the fashion world in which gifts, favors, and influence were the currency of exchange. Often it was hard to tell what was business and what was personal. Now, look, I really, really, really believe that while Andre did get paid to work at Vogue and he got paid to do certain events, he also got paid in status, exchange of gifts. A lot of his wardrobe was provided for him. He had custom made items um, from all sorts of designers. I just watched, rewatched an interview with him on the Wendy Williams show. And he had a Tom Ford, uh, what do you call it, Afghan on, okay? Custom, well, it had to be custom made because, you know, Leon Talley has amassed a lot of weight over the years. So he had that on. He had Gucci shoes on. He's not buying a lot of this. Okay. And a lot of people who work in the fashion industry do not buy everything that you see them in. A lot of the celebrities that we see on, the, um, you know, catwalks and going to premieres, they're given stuff by the designers. Okay. So it's a it's an industry that gets like they said it, it's it's hard to tell what part of this is all business and what part of this is personal. Uh, it may seem relatively minor. Back to the article. It may seem relatively minor. A free bag here, in the hope that an editor may be photographed carrying it to her seat in the front row, hence serving as a quasi advertisement for a brand or a free trip to a show in a faraway country with a first class ticket and hotel in return for a review that otherwise wouldn't happen because of tightening budgets. And I definitely believe, you know, Andre Leon Talley wasn't the only person who participated in these types of things. I know he was flown across all, all over the world. He's done reviews. He's hosted shows. He's oftentimes seen in the front row of these fashion shows. Um, and, you know, and there's always the exchange of, well, if I give you this bag, if I buy you this first class ticket, if I, you know, have you stay in this hotel, um, in exchange, could you discuss, you know, um, my line, my new product, my, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like that would be considered an even exchange on a, I consider it to be on a business level, but some might consider it to be personal. But as Mr. Talley's situation shows, such arrangements always unspoken, helped carve out a wider slippery slope. And it's easy to lose your footing 
and slide all the way down to the bottom. Hmm. A in, this is an industry where gifting is a verb. According to Mr. Talley's filing, Mr. Talley and Mr. Mr. Malcolmus met 38 years ago through Manola Blahnik, a shoemaker who had become close to Mr. Talley. And Mr. Talley began his career in fashion in whose work Mr. Talley effusively supported. In his memoir, Mr. Talley includes a photo of himself in a tweed jacket. That was a gift from Mr. Blahnik. He writes as well that he never did a shoot without Manolo Blahnik's. In the book, Mr. Talley describes a meeting Mr. Malcolmus, uh, meeting Mr. Malcolmus when Mr. Blahnik was looking for a licensing partner in the United States, thus beginning a long-term friendship that, like many of Mr. Talley's friendships, blur the line between personal and professional. You know, I can say things like this happen in other industries as well, like the advertising industry. You have now um, rules in place where people are not supposed to receive Chotskys, you know, certain types of Chotskys. You can get tickets to go to sporting events, um, but as far as receiving like uh, purses and jewelry, things of that nature is prohibited. Um, you would see sales representatives or you have, it has happened where sales reps would purchase items in exchange for them to get um, whatever placement that they're, whatever client they're working for and to get them the best placement, if it was in print or if it was um, uh, broadcast, you know, again, it's all business, but some people cross the line and get into personal. Um, he also, in the article, um, his most formative relationship in fashion, according to his memoir, this is Mr. Talley's memoir, may have been with Mr. Lagerfeld, Carl Lagerfeld, a designer whose work he covered and who estates he often spent holidays and whose gifts to Mr. Talley include a Fabergé pin and a giant Louis Vuitton trunk. If you were in Carl's life, he dressed you, Mr. Talley writes in his book, Paloma Picasso and Inez de Frasange were dressed free of charge at Chanel and Fendi as was Tina Chow, as was Mr. Talley. So, you know, Mr. Talley has lived a very privileged life, okay? He's got, he's, he knows and moves and shakes with the who's who of the fashion industry, all right? Though this was an extreme example of favor exchange in fashion, it was far from unique in her memoir, Clothes, and Other Things That Matter, Alexander Schulman, the former editor of British Vogue, writes of being gifted two Chanel jackets by the label's London press office soon after my arrival at Vogue in 1992, which would have cost about a thousand pounds at that time. Ms. Schulman also describes editors arriving in Paris to discover wardrobe stuffed with Chanel hanging bags. Though she herself did not receive them, she did get an offer. Also, not long after she arrived at Vogue from Catherine Walker, one of Princess Diana's favorite designers to make her an evening dress, which she happily accepted. This just goes to show you more and more about the, the point of the article, the blurred lines between business as well as favor. Okay, very, very blurred lines. And they talk about um other relationships and uh exchanges of goods you know in exchange to help whatever that brand is to be noticed or to be viewed or whatever the case may be 
Um, it's a very, I look at it as a very fragile industry and fickle because you have so much of glitz and glamour, but then it's also, you know, if you're not able to keep up, you're tossed out, okay? You're not seen as um, um, valuable, okay? Um, in this part of the article, they go into the business of friendship. Then to a sort, a sort of grace and favor arrangement often existed in the magazine world, with employers and certain star employees. At Condé Nast, where Mr. Talley began working in 1988, salaries were often supplemented by clothing allowances, car services, and deep expense accounts. Indeed, Mr. Talley writes his memoir that he wanted to buy a home for his grandmother in Durham, in Durham North Carolina, and Wintour, his then boss, asked um, S. High Newhouse, the Condé Nast chief executive, to give him, give him an interest-free loan. Now, this might start playing into why Andre started having some financial issues, allegedly. And when he gained a health-threatening amount of weight, Ms. Winter arranged for Vogue to pay for a three-month visit to the Duke Diet and Fitness Center. Interesting. He later went back two more times, each time thanks to Condé Nast. Now, I'd have never heard of the Duke Diet and Fitness Center, but I got the, uh, I can already tell from this article that it was a very exclusive place for those who are having weight loss issues. Lines are further blurred by the fact that in fashion, professional relationships are often um, nurtured in non-professional settings on a beach for a photo shoot where everyone is staying at the same resort over dinner at Cavia Caspia in Paris to celebrate a show. It was general practice in glossy magazines to hire certain contributing editors because of their social connections so that they could urge their friends to become subjects. <laughs> okay. Indeed, it was in part because he so clearly enjoyed Karl Lagerfeld's favor. Mr. Talley writes in his memoir that he was so important to Vogue, and he enjoyed Mr. Lagerfeld's favor in part because he so clearly and vocally believed in his talent. Against this backdrop, the idea that a friend, I'll bet one whose business was visibly intertwined with Mr. Talley's business, would offer to step in and help him buy a house when he got in trouble. Probably didn't seem outlandish, especially because Mr. Malcolmus had acted as his proxy before. So we see again that Mr. Talley has utilized his status in the industry um, with other people who have more financial means to help him get what he needed. In 2004, according to Mr. Talley's affidavit, Mr. Talley was forced to leave his New York apartment because of mold in part because Mr. Talley, for whom money was worth thinking about simply as means to purchase the beautiful things he craved, had run into financial trouble three times before. He filed for bankruptcy in North Carolina in 1997 and 1998 and in New York in 1993, largely because of failure to pay taxes. Getting a mortgage would be complicated. Mm, mm, mm. You can continue with this article I read uh, quite a bit of it, but there's more um, from the New York Times. If you just type in, uh, all you have to do is type in, uh, this is from February 24th, 2021. All you have to do is type, type in Leon Talley and the New York Times and it'll show up. I am hoping that we can come to some kind of resolve. I am hoping that Leon is able to get his financial affairs in order because that is most definitely um, 
very, very important for him to move forward. I hope some agreement can be made. I hope that he can take what if he's able to get equity from. See, it's going to be difficult because I don't know if he even get equity from the house because he doesn't outright own it. So it's because he doesn't own this house. The money that he's paid into it, I don't know how he can get anything back from it so that he can go ahead and either. Well, I'm guessing they're going to make him move. I don't know if there's any way around that. I don't know. We'll see. But I'll keep you posted on this very interesting story. Talk to you later.